You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. In this episode, I have Paul Sr. and Paul Jr. of Elknut Outdoor Productions on the podcast. They share a ton of information about tips, tactics, calling sequences, calls that should work, what the elk are actually saying, how Elknut Outdoor Productions got started, the playbook that Elknut Outdoor offers, and a ton more. I hope this takes you to the next level this season for your elk hunting adventures, and I hope you enjoy the show. All right, guys. Well, I have uh, Paul Sr. and Paul Jr., the Elk Nut Production crew, uh, on the podcast today. And I am really looking forward to just kind of learning how they became how they became Um, and also sharing a couple tips and tactics for you to help you in the elk woods. So, guys, I really appreciate you taking the time today to hop on the show with me. Yeah, thanks a lot, Zach. I appreciate it. And I'm the Paul Sr. one. <laughs> and I'm Paul Jr. Awesome, awesome. Well, to kind of kick off the show, um, these guys are going to discuss a little bit about Elk Nut Productions and how they got started and kind of what their goal is behind Elk Nut Productions. Okay, yeah. Hey, Zach, and, and I appreciate you having us on here, too. It, it means a lot to us to be able to, to uh, do these podcasts and talk about elk. And, and as far as how we, we got started, I believe Elknet Productions is, has been around after 18 years. And it first came about because we were putting a lot of elk down, you know, in, in a really low uh, uh, statistic area where it's like 5, 5.9% to, to uh, fill a tag here, whether it was a cow or a bull. And, and folks had noticed that we were putting elk down and so it kind of came about like what are you guys doing what are you doing different than the rest of us and really it boiled down to uh trying to understand and learn the language of elk that's really what it boiled down to and and for years a little over 30 years i used to you know especially in the beginning i would sit out there in july and august and try to learn uh from the behavior and the different sounds of elk and and which i was very fortunate to live in elk country and so i would do this outside the seasons and hike miles to get to where these little groups would be as they migrated from the lowlands back up into where they would spend their summers and their falls. And so I would sit there and try to understand, you know, everything about them. And at that time, I really never, to be honest with you, even even entered my mind that there would be an elk nut outdoors. This was something I was doing on my own to, to just better myself. And then one thing kind of led to another. Yeah, and I mean, we struggled for so long the first few years. I mean, this was when I was probably 10, 12 years old. So it was a struggle for us to know what these elk were saying and try to get in on them. But once we did start being successful, we noticed it was because we kind of understood what they were trying to say and how we could respond. So it took us a lot of trial and error, but we ended up figuring, you know, let's put this in videos. This could be really helpful to other people. That's so cool. The the just the the fact that you guys are aiming towards helping other people, because um, as you know, the the struggle out there to, to to kill an elk with a bow is is obviously real. Um, the statistics, let alone in a in a low statistic harvest area, um, just in general on killing an elk with a bow is extremely low. Uh, and the amount of people that start doing it and thinking that all you do is go out there and blow your bugle and the elk come running and then 
you know, end up end up getting frustrated and they don't want to do it anymore. Um, and, yeah, and well, like, they're watching it on TV and they, these bulls are just running in and they expect that to happen for them too. Exactly, that is so true. And and like yourselves, that's that's a big reason why I started the podcast because I learned all my stuff on my own. You know, my fan, none of my family members bow hunted, and so it was all trial and error. And I just, like you guys, I just want to help people be more successful with anything archery where you guys want to help people be more successful in the elk woods. And I really, really respect that. And I think it's just you, you guys are just on an awesome journey and you're helping a lot of people. So I, I appreciate it a ton. You know, and, and one of the things in doing so is, is, yeah, we were helping ourselves. But a lot of times in the beginning, it was, you know, that persistent don't give up attitude it seemed like a lot of the success was coming from that and then we would inject the, the the sounds that we were learning trying to understand that in time that the sounds that elk were making they were sending a message that was that was really the bottom line at first it was like they were making elk sounds why well because they're elk and you know blah 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 but like <laughs> i say in time after realizing hey wait a minute these guys are communicating with each other. If we could kind of break that code a little bit and to be able to, you know, decipher what they're saying, maybe we can now inject sounds that they are expecting to hear under specific situations. And, and that's how it kind of started. And then it slowly snowballed. And that's where, you know, we would spend a lot of the time in the field and, and, and not only watching and listening to, the, to their sounds, but their behavior, their body language and the different things. You know, one of the things that, that, that lit the fire under me that, that really meant a lot to me was the first time I was sitting around this herd. You listen to this, Zach. This is very interesting. You know, seriously, is I came to the edge and I saw all these elk and there was like 60 or 70 of them. And this is, and you know, for the listeners, all Paul and I hunt are over-the-counter, do-it-yourself, pressured elk. We're not talking about draw areas or ranches or protected in special privileges. No, we hunt where everybody else hunts. So keep that in mind that we're talking about some of the toughest elk to hunt. If you can hunt these uh, over-the-counter no matter the state, you can probably go anywhere and hunt elk effectively. But what I did was I can remember this one time that really sparked me was I got to the edge. There was this kind of a, about a five, six-acre meadow, and I got to the edge of the timber there. And all these elk were talking. You could hear them just, meow, 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 meow. they were just talking like crazy. And I noticed when they were there, there wasn't one of them would looked up or paid a, a, a bit of attention to the other one. And so I thought, well, you know, I had a reed in my mouth. I'm going to go ahead and throw a little cow sound out and see what happens. You know, I'm going to be part of the group. And when I did that, you would have thought a bomb hit because <laughs> a bomb to the extent that I caught their attention because I bet you over half of those elk stopped what they were doing and stared right in my direction. I was hidden. I was in the timber, but they just stared at me. And I'm like, what the heck? You guys are chattering out there like 50 sounds a second. And I make one little sound. And it was a good sound. Don't get me wrong. I went bad. <laughs> but I realized right then and there, they knew each other by their sound out there. And they'd been hearing it for weeks probably. And then when they heard this little other sound, even though it sounded like a cow, it was new. It was one they didn't recognize. And that is what really started things right there when I realized they knew each other by their sound. And, of course, it's carried on over the years. And, I mean, this is like 30 years ago or so. I mean, this is a long time ago. And, and, and so I realized that bulls have their, their sounds. Cows have their sounds. Calves. And so, you know, and they keep track of one another. When they're in the openings, they'll talk, but usually not as much as when they're in the timber. And so it was just the fact that when they can't see each other real well, they'll get a little more vocal if they're undisturbed and they're in their routine. You know, if there's a threat there and there's a problem, things can change there vocally. But that is kind of one of the things that hit a home run with me. And, and it seemed like that was a stepping stone for me to be motivated and want to know more and more and more. And that's kind of how it got started there. That's that's crazy. So, you know, when you first found that out, you know, they all looked at you in the timber. I mean, what, you know, what were your, I don't know, what were your first plans and ideas to basically fit in as one of the elk and not, not get that reaction? Of, well, you, you know, know, being the, the new elk or whatever. You know, it, first of all, I was trying to digest what was going on. I mean, it was just a matter that it was taken by surprise. It wasn't like I was expecting that reaction. 
And so it was kind of a shock right there that like, holy cow. And, and again, you know, I probably had that reaction a lot of times, you know, over the years as I was learning things. But it, it was just that it, it sunk into me that it meant something. And it was it was something I could build on. And that's really what was my reaction was I just learned something right there. These elk know each other out there. This wasn't just a bunch of elk making noises and this and that. And over the years, you cannot believe how many elk have been put on the ground because of the fact that we realize and bank on these elk knowing each other. It's just like when you're working a bull or something. And I'm not trying to get too far off track here, but when you're working a bull, a lot of times what you're doing is with a cow that I, that a bull that already has cows is when I come in as a cow call, I know in my mind that that bull doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know me. He's hoping I'm going to be a new recruit. So I play on that weakness that when he hears cows talking, you could hear cows going like crazy in his little group. He's not saying nothing. I come on the outskirts 80 yards away and just and immediately he hits me with a bugle or slow chuckles why because he's trying to call me to the group he knows i'm not one of the present crowd and so you see just right there and i mean it plays into a lot of different areas after that but just that one little thing is is you start banking on that and it's the same with bulls and so once you start realizing understanding that as you're walking in it's not just oh i'm going to make him think i'm a cow that's separated from his group no he already knows you're not part of that group when he hears you it's a sound he's not familiar with at all, but it doesn't mean he doesn't want you or he's, you know, he's afraid. But normally there's an invite, and once you get to know that elk language, you'll understand the sounds that a bull will use to ask you to come. And so that's breaking that code. Is, is like, okay, that bull wants me to come right now. Here's what he just said. And so hopefully you understand that and you make your move and not hang up. But anyway, just trying to touch on that right there, understanding that these elk know each other by their sound, sight, or smell is a real huge thing. But sound being the key feature, especially if you, you know, like us, we hunt a lot of dark timber. So sounds are a, a, a main uh, uh, focus for us because that's how we're finding elk is, is through sound. We can glass when, we, when it's possible. But sound is, Paul can tell you, out of all the elk we've killed ourselves and in the elk nut crew, 95% of these bulls are killed through sound not ambushing and sneaking there's times for that don't get me wrong but even on these highly hunted areas people everywhere these elk will still respond to sounds and we're we're out of idaho a lot of wolves these days and we still get around that barrier and so and why it's because when we use a sound we are basically trying to communicate with them it's not that we just stay with one sound once once we do communicate or they respond to us you see, just like them, once they respond, whether it's an, an intimidation or a, an invite, and you got to listen to that bugle or that cow sound, it'll tell you. Are they telling you to come forward? Or are they telling you to get the heck out of Dodge? And so that's what you're playing on. And, and it can also tell you what gender you're messing with or are we dealing with a satellite? Are we dealing with a herd bull? You know, and those are the things that we're breaking down, evaluating really quick. Early on, it took a lot longer, but now Paul and I can look at each other as we're calling and trying to find elk and get a response. Within seconds, we already have it broken down saying, okay, here's what they're wanting right here. And then we, we try to form a plan that's going to give us the best odds you know, to get this elk close because there's never any guarantees in elk hunting. You're just playing the odds all the time and trying to stack the odds in your favor because these animals aren't dumb, <laughs> as you know. Yeah. For sure, but I can I can absolutely see where it's a huge huge benefit to know. Okay, this is what they're what they're saying, or this is what they're doing. You know, this is you know something that they this is a sound that they make when they're on their way to their bedding area or whatever else, as opposed no, to exactly. oh exactly. there's a there's another there's another elk sound. I know where I know where they are, <laughs> you know. And what else? What else you learn from it is when you start understanding the, the various elk sounds and the tones, and what you're really listening for, Zach, is the intensity and the cadence of the sound. That is where they separate the meanings. So you know, just because a cow makes a cow call, it, 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 a, a normal cow call, it would sound something like this. Is it okay if I do a sound? Absolutely. Okay, you're talking now. Here's cows that are socializing. There's no threat. There's no. There's no issue. They're not asking for anything out of the ordinary. No assistance. No help. Nothing. And this is what you're going to hear. Yeah. 
and this is you there's no worry there's no problem and you'll hear this a lot of times at distances or if you're if you're close to elk and there's no problem whatsoever so see when you're listening to the cadence of that call you can tell everything's much more relaxed and they're just responding to one another there's no barking really there's nothing going on but if if if, if junior got separated and she wants him to come back. She'll usually get a little bit more intense. She may, and, and she, and when they're communicating like that, and she doesn't hear Junior, and Junior sounds more like this. You see, he's just real short and snappy. Where Mom is more, and so she sound has a more mature, more a, a relaxed sound, like she has more practice because she's older. And when she doesn't hear his return response or her return response after you know milling around and feeding, and they're in the timber because these calves, you know how they are, they they're just like kids. They're running this way and going that way. And if, and if she's not happy that 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 the calf isn't responding back, like she gets a little nervous sometimes, and she wants to make sure they're okay. And so you'll hear her lengthen it out a little bit. Letting her know, letting Junior know, hey, where are you? If she's no longer giving those short little responses, it's more lengthy. And if if, if he's still not responding or she's not responding, a lot of times they'll go to that little bit of a contact buzz where she's trying to regather not only them or maybe even other elk. And you'll hear her make the sound year round. And she'll get more intense or more demanding looking for them. And she might go something like this. <coughs> And she wants a response or a visual. She's trying to bring them back. And so if you're in the elk woods and you understand these tones and you see nothing but you hear it, you see all of a sudden it's painting a picture in your mind's eye. You're saying, okay, there's a group of elk over here. She's got, there's other ones with her. She's not alone. She's trying to get them out, something separated a little bit too far, and she's trying to get them to come back. But you see, it's just giving you an idea of what's happening over there. It's not like there's elk over there. And, it, and the same can go carry on into a bugle. And so once you start seeing the difference in the intensity or the cadence of the tone, you can tell what the message is, is that's being sent. And so as hunters, we start using those against the elk. You see, because what if you're working a bull and you've worked them with cow sounds and you're going at them and you can get to 75, 80 yards. Perfect example this year was one of the guys on the elk net crew was Clayton. And he's trying to get this bull to come and come and come. And so he, go, he, turn, he goes to the contact buzz, which was formerly kind of we use the estrus buzz. But the contact buzz is what, what, we're, what we're using. To, you know, that's the name of that sound. And what it does is it asks elk to come your way. You see, it's not saying I'm coming over to you. They could, but they're still trying to bring you over. So a lot of times what you're going to do is if you can't get any closer to the bull, you try to call him the rest of the way. And that was just a social sound. It's a sound that a real elk would use to ask the other elk to now come your way, to come the rest of the way. And so, see, you're changing it up out there and your odds just increased. It doesn't mean this bull's going to come every time. No. But it doesn't mean they're leaving either. And so change it up and tell them to come over just like if you had your boy out there and you told him to come over where you're at now because you can't see him. You want him to regroup where you're at. So you ask him. You tell him, come over here. And that's what the cow is doing to the bull. And in this case, it worked out really good. And Clayton had that bull come into 30 yards and he took him. And so you see, it, there's times that that's going to be used. And then you may go 10 days in a row and you don't even need that sound. But you never know. So be ready. Be prepared. Know the language. And, and, and it can help fill a tag when maybe nothing else would. So it's just something. That's why we key in on the language so much. And that's just one little facet. That, that understanding what they're saying and what you may need to say in return. Yeah, Clayton, he read that bull's reaction. When he mm -hmm. was telling the story, he said that he was cow calling and bull was answering, bull was answering. He kept getting closer, and then pretty soon it just kind of, you know, got weaker and weaker. So when he threw out that first contact buzz, that bull hit him instantly so he knew okay this is gonna you know this could really work so he kept playing on the contact buzz instead of staying with the social muse or whatever and mm -hmm. um yeah it worked really well awesome yeah that that makes sense too you know um especially especially when just like you're saying you know when you can hear it in the the tonality of the bugle or how quick they respond or you're like you mm -hmm. say you're just you're just reading 
and you're learning off what they're doing and how they're responding as to what right. what is working best is kind of what I'm gathering. Well, you know, and it's tough though because first to say, oh, you do this or you do that, you yeah. know. It's a, it's a suggestion, and so you, you have to build confidence in this. And, and what really built confidence in Clayton to use that was Clayton was with Paul, and Paul called the bull in almost a half a mile away with that sound, and Clayton was just like, oh, my goodness. you know. And I think a couple cows and a bull came with him and, and, and this and that, and he's seen him use it. And so you know that helps other than someone just say, do this. It may work. You know, Try this. So, so being able to see it visually and physically being there himself, and he saw this work years ago, and we don't use it every day. We'll use it maybe once a year, twice a year, none times. You just never know what a, a situation may require. But he remembered that. As a matter of fact, I was standing there when he told the story, and they were actually talking about that, how Clayton just could not believe Paul brought this bull with cows in that far away. How close did you get him? I think you guys got to about 20 yards. I mean… Yeah, he was 20 yards from me, and then once I missed him with my recurve, he ran over to 20 yards from Clayton. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I learned that call from um, my dad. I mean, he he started making that call. I remember, too, I was in the woods, and I don't even remember where he heard this call from. But the first time I heard it, I was looking at him like, what the heck is that? Are you kidding me? And about 15 minutes later, a little bull come running into it, and I just couldn't believe it. And, and, and he'd come running into 10 yards away. But I had explained to Paul. I had said, here's what I'm doing. Here's what this sound is. I mean, and he, I was kind of laughing remember, at him. That was yeah, he's laughing at me. Because <laughs> we're always introducing stuff and trying to tweak things and, yeah. and, and, and trying to understand the language because you're always learning and adding things to it. And at that time, like Paul said, this was – this was many moons ago, but Paul was <laughs> but, but it was just that I remember, and I said, no, I'm telling you, this is what's being said right here, and this can work. And, and yeah, that when he came running in, it was just crazy. I mean, because yeah, how fast did he I was dumbfounded. <laughs> he he was running. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, what sound is that? Could you do that for me? Oh, yeah. It's the contact buzz where, where they get a real nasally tone to it. Okay. And, and – and so, you know, the pure note or the clean note, I'll do a cow call first and then, the, then that contact buzz. Perfect. So that the listener, when they, when they listen to this, they can tell the difference. So here's just a regular cow talk right here. So you can say they sound pretty clean and pure, nothing, uh, nothing that most people haven't recognized in, in hearing. So now here's the buzz. And what I'm doing with the buzz, just so you have a good idea – as I'm rattling the latex. So instead of having that, that, that pressure of my tongue on the latex to make it a nice tone, I relax my tongue down so it vibrates the latex. You see, instead of going, you see how the difference is right there? I'm letting it just go, and that's how I'm making that sound, and it's, and it's best made with a single recall. Double reads and stuff will work, but it's not as controllable. So those who want to try it, get us. Go ahead. Voice inflection also, what you're using there. It's not yeah, just rattling. Yeah, I was just going to add that. Yes, and what I'm doing is going, uh, uh, and I'm doing that through the reed with my tongue on the reed at the same time in, in, in conjunction with it. So it's kind of a twofold thing like Paul said there, and so it sounds like this. You see, it's nothing like a pure note cow call. And so if I use a different reed, you would hear a different tone. I'm going to take a double reed right here. And so here's what it would sound like if I go to a double reed. You know, it just has a different tone, but that's okay. Because when you're talking about elk and they have different sounds, you're not worried about, is my sound perfect? What you're worried about is it the right sound? Because, you know, elk at a year and a half, two and a half, eight and a half, they all have a different tone. They're different, you know, just like people. If somebody were to set you uh, aside and they put five people in a room and you couldn't see none of them, and one of them was eight years old and one was 13 and one was 18 and one was 30, and they made them all talk at one time, would you be so confused you couldn't tell their age group? Probably not. <laughs> You're probably going to go, okay, that's the eight-year-old. This is that. And, yet, and this is how elk are. So, so remember, you know, when you're dealing with elk, it doesn't have to be the perfect classic bugle or cow sound you hear on TV because different age groups or there are different personalities involved when they're making this sound. It can sound a little different. So it's more important to use the right sound at the right time than thinking it always has to be the perfect sound because it doesn't. So 
it's the message you're sending that's important there. But all I'm doing is rattling that that latex, and like Paul said, throwing the voice inflection in along with it, and it changes the meaning entirely. That one requires assistance, or aid, or a regathering for the elk to come over that way, or an invite for them to come over. Even the elk will even do it to new elk. So, but basically, that's the general meaning to that. Whereas a social cow talk asks nothing; it just says there's elk there. They're keeping contact. So you see the difference between those. And then there's quite a few other elk sounds too, cow sounds, but we won't get into that right now. But just covering those couples so you can see the difference in the meaning. And more importantly, what does it mean to the elk? Because they're the, they're the ones you're trying to work. You need the reaction from them to be positive. And, of course, there's times when you know they just don't come your way. They just stay over there. But the nice thing about it that we found over the years is who cares? They didn't run off. They just didn't come. They're still over there. You didn't bug or anything. They just didn't want to show up. They didn't care. But so many times they do come, and that's what keeps the motivation there that this can work. This can work. Does it always work? No, but it can work. And so and, – and it depends on the mood of the elk. You know, There's a lot of little things that come into play. But knowing that language and then using it and seeing positive results – it's it's awesome. I mean, look at the look at the track record that we have over the years, you know, within the 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 Elknet crew. And there's five of us, you know, and I mean, we've taken just under 200 bulls in 26 years, and I mean, that's a lot of elk, and over the counter elk, <laughs> you know, yourself. And so it's not like oh, maybe this is just a shot in the dark, and these guys are theorizing. No. We've used this for success so many times, and then that's how it kind of led into the DVDs and the CDs, is I want to see people enjoy success with their sons and their daughters and their family members. You know, this isn't something that we should hold up and, 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 and keep to ourselves and not share and feel like, oh, if we share this, they may kill our elk. You can't think that way. You know, I mean, it's, there's just so many things in this world today that already take up our time. And a lot of people, when they do go hunt, they only got five to seven days to hunt. They can't hunt the whole month. They don't live in elk country. So if we can provide some information that can bring that bond together with a father and son or the family members or a group and help them to, to, to feel confident when they go out there of what sounds to use or which ones to avoid at a certain time. You know, it helps cut that learning curve down. I mean, it'll cut it down 15, 20 years that most people don't have or they get bored if it doesn't work with their kids. It's like taking them fishing. If your kid doesn't catch anything after two or three times hours, he's better off to go out and catch perch. So he's at least pulling something in, even if it's only two <laughs> inches long. It, it keeps his interest up. And so if you can do this whilst with hunts, man. I mean, look at my son. My son and I have been doing this since Paul was, what, five years old? We've never yeah. missed an elk season together, huh, an archery. Not, nope. not one. Every single one. We've made, we've done every one of them together. And Paul's called as many bulls in for me as I have for him. And it's usually just the two of us. We're not hunting with five and six guys. It's just me and him or we're alone. I mean, we do take other guys and stuff from time to time and, and whatnot, but it's usually when we fill our tags. Yep, and then we go help, and because we love calling and 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 especially new people, they'll come out there and go, "I've never heard anybody make so many elk sounds." Or, "What are you guys doing?" I mean, you guys are calling, calling. And I mean, but we're bringing elk in, but they've never seen anything like it because most people when they go out there looking for elk, trying to locate, they do so little calling, Zach. They really do. They're limiting themselves. They're afraid that you know they might hear a hunter or they might do this. And once you start understanding the elk language and when you do call out and you're looking for a response, we know kind of the response we're looking for. So if there's something really generic, a lot of times it tells us right there, that's a hunter. That's not a, that's not an elk right there. And so you know that's another attribute to knowing the language. You, you know what to expect back. And so if you don't hear that and it's something off the wall, you usually got them pegged pretty good because, like I say, you know, we hunt pressured country, pressured elk, and, and, and still show this kind of success you know, over the years. And so everybody can do this. We are not rocket scientists. If you take the time to learn that language, you can really do it. It doesn't take that long. You know, like you said in the beginning, what are some of the more important sounds that a person should focus on? You know, there is that criteria. Focus on these and don't worry about the others. You know, and once you learn those, polish them up and move on to some more sounds. And mm -hmm. the next thing you know, it's, 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 it's a process. You're learning more and more and more, and you're going to be an elk nut. You'll end up being an elk nut because you're going to be – you're going to see your results are becoming positive. And so it motivates you to move forward and want to learn more.
Absolutely. And, you know, just just real quick, too, it, it people just got to realize, like you say, it's a process. Um, we live in a world of I want it done yesterday. And, <laughs> and with, you know, not even just talking elk with archery as well, it's a process. Mm-hmm. You don't pick up a bow and be good at it tomorrow just like you don't pick up an elk call and be able to rattle a reed and make a perfect pitch and and, and not like you're trying to make a perfect pitch but very very rarely can you just pick up an elk reed and not gag on it the first time and start making elk calls. Yeah, good point. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, everybody wants to just type it into Google and Google (laughs) tells you what to do. (laughs) That's not going to work with an elk call or archery, either one. Exactly. Especially, especially Paul Jr., you know, especially in, you know, you're closer to my age, especially in our age group. It's, it's I'm going to Google oh, it and, and I'm going to know how to do it yesterday and I'm going to wake up in the morning and it's all going to be perfect. That's just not how it works. I'm going to be a professional elk caller after <laughs> after I read Google for an hour. But, you know, that's technology. You know, technology does that to us. And and, and there's nothing wrong with it where, where it can help speed up, you know, certain things. But, but you're right. When it comes to learning to read, a, a guy who's never used one, he needs to expect to put about five or six weeks behind it. Before he starts getting really good to the point where he's building his confidence and he feels he can hunt with it. So as long as guys don't feel that they're going to you know, establish this, this good rep- repertoire with their read in, in, in 15, 20 minutes or 30, and if they don't, they go, oh, this isn't for me. I can't learn this. You know, I, I must have a problem with it. No, they're just not putting in their time. And, and so if guys just knew this in the beginning that it takes this much time to uh, be able to manage the reed and have it in the right spot in your mouth, the right tongue pressure, the right air uh, pressure behind it. All those things come together, and once you start getting it, then you start you, you start building your confidence that you can do this, and then you you do want to start leading, you know, heading for different sounds. But yeah, if, if, if as long as the guy realizes it's going to take a little bit of time, he can conquer a mouth read. And I've always had one thing. This is what I say. Can you conquer a mouth read? A lot of guys wonder that. Here's what you look for. If you can brush your teeth without gagging, you can use a mouth read. If you cannot, yeah, that's what, that's really the line. That's awesome. If you can do that, you can make it work. So don't think it's not for you. But if you can't brush your teeth without gagging, then Like we know some people that can't. Nope, we certainly do, and they cannot use a mouth read. I mean, they touch their tongue with their finger, and it's just you know they have that reflex, and it's and so, but most people don't. Most people just don't put the time in. They think they throw this read in their mouth, and if they're not getting elk sounds in minutes, then they must it's not for them. But really, they need an external call. Yeah, blow bite and blow calls, which which, you know, yeah, they're not horrible, but but the mouth reads. You know, you can put feeling and emotion behind it, sensitivity. You can get so soft with them, you know, and really do that communicating when needed. Or you can use one one read. We'll do all cow and bull sounds. You don't need to switch anything up. So see, yeah, and huge. it's hands free. A lot of versatility. Hands free is what I like for sure. That's a that's a huge mm-hmm. plus, especially because I I solo film my hunts just because I like to be able to. Oh wow! You know, I like honestly, I like to relive it as much or more than I really care if i harvest something you know but mm-hmm. just getting the, the close encounters on film or when my four-year-old and i are there and i film the look <laughs> on his face when he, we see the pack of wolves or something like that you know it's just it's so cool to be 10 years from now be like yeah you want to watch our hunt like it was so much fun remember <laughs> yeah. you know that's so you can't you can't hold a bow hold a camera have a secondary camera and a, and an elk call all at the same time just, <laughs> so having a mouth is a huge plus but you, now, you had mentioned you guys have uh, some DVDs and things like that. Um, real quick, why don't you just let people know where they can go to find those and get them and everything like that? That way, um, if they're interested, they know how to get those. Yeah, you know, without sounding like a commercial. Oh, no, no. Like, no I, not, you guys are doing me about. a huge favor because uh, obviously I can't have a podcast without guests, right? Um, no, no, I appreciate you asking too, so, but I just yeah. say for the listeners, at least they realize that that's kind of <laughs> really in our heart. We want we want people to learn elk. But, you know, if they go to www.elknut.com, they'll see that we kind of have a, a variety of, of DVDs and the playbook and the playbook that I wrote and, and, and CDs and stuff. 
Awesome. And uh, there's a lot of uh, it. What they are is instructional. We don't have hunts on them, you know, kind of showing, oh, here's how successful we are. What we try to do is just share solid information of the various elk sounds and when they use them and when hunters should use them so they can also, you know, enjoy success as well. And so that's what these DVDs do is, is, is they're all informative with instruction. So and cool. and they vary from learning how to use a mouth read. We have one called Master in the Mouth Read, and then we have a variety of, of, of other ones. Probably for a first-timer, to be honest, what I would say, if somebody's wanting to learn more about the elk language and how to be successful right away, they need to look at the zero-zero package, and it's a very small package, and that package right there will introduce them to more information than they've probably seen in the last 20 years. I mean, there's, it is so packed with info to help a hunter, you know, to become a better elk hunter. Is that's the one that I would say, as whether you're new or intermediate, there is just so much in there about the variety of sounds that that cows and bulls make and what their definition is, what they're saying. And so something like that along the line they can find over there at elknut.com. That's so cool that you that you mentioned that because I have a ton of friends from you know Pennsylvania and Georgia and all that stuff and they all love to come out hunting with me um, mm -hmm. however in my shoes where they've never been around the elk or anything like that um, I love them to death but it still somewhat gets frustrating when I'm like okay this is what you need to do and they just don't understand because they haven't been around it enough so I mean that would be an awesome tool for me even to say hey check this out um, before you come because this time when you come I want success for you so you can tune into this and we can be light years ahead of where we were last year because we'll be more so on the same page and that's just awesome and yeah that way you're not doing all the calling because they come in to hunt and they're like well we don't know this and we don't know that mark you're so much better and the next thing you know you got six seven days of hunting you're calling every time because these guys aren't doing it and you're like wait a minute here you know i would love to have an opportunity and so they go without any knowledge they go okay i'm going to call for you so you get out there a shooter they're going to call and you're like oh my god what are you doing and so you don't want them to call you're like, yeah. no, no, no. so so you're right educate these guys you know educate themselves instead of educating the elk. that's what you're really trying to do and and that little simple package I think it's what 50 something bucks it's not much but when you see the information in it it's packed over the almost the last 40 years of, of 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 deriving all this information and everything we use today that we still take elk you know what we took eight bulls this year all these all on this over the counter all that information on what we do with success is in that 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 uh, information that they can pick up there and so it's not like it's just you know, we don't use it because we do, mm -hmm. and so, and we've we've already proven many, many times over of its effectiveness. And so, for you guys to do something like that and pick up on it, heck yeah, it would help anybody. There's no question about it. Absolutely, and I yeah, and there's a lot of guys that do that. Um, one guy watches the videos, and then all of a sudden he's ordering more, and then ends up usually talking to my dad and he said well after I listened to all those videos then I had to buy them all for my buddies because they need to know at least as much as I know <laughs> and I and I'm you know obviously not because I know I'm I would learn a ton as well and especially when we all decide to hunt out of state or they all come hunt my state those out-of-state tags are so dang expensive what's fifty dollars to yep. actually know what the heck you're doing when you go on your hunt like that's priceless um, so cool, cool. Yeah, you know, we even have guides and outfitters that come to us that 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 uh, have their uh, customers watch this information. I've had this many times where they they make their client watch this information so that they at least have a feel. They're not just led by the finger and pull the trigger. Okay, we take care of you. Go home now. No, they want the client to understand what's going on just in case they have to make the sound. Even though the guide and outfitter usually takes care of that, but we've had tons of them say watch this stuff guide schools have have called us and ordered large amounts mm -hmm. saying we give it to every one of our new guides so that they can be you know do well for their for their client but anyway you know it's just it, it's good stuff i mean this stuff is solid <laughs> that's so cool and what and 
really what I like too is that you guys are not going out and writing a book or making these DVDs on stuff that you're just thinking off your head. You know what I mean? You're actually utilizing everything that you're teaching and discussing and talking about and you're perfecting it every year and that's that means a ton in itself. You know, because when I see those Absolutely. people that, that are like, yeah, this is the way that you need to shoot the bow, and then you watch a video on them, and they're <laughs> shooting it completely different. You're like, well, wait a minute. Why are you teaching everybody to shoot it like, you know? So that, that means a ton, and that says a lot about you guys. It really does. So it just yeah. from me to you, I really appreciate that. Um, Thank you. Do something you're passionate about, right? Oh, no yep. kidding, man. If you're not going to do something that you're passionate about, you might as well just – it just doesn't work. <laughs> nope, it doesn't. So – well, cool. So now how about we jump into um, a little bit more nuts and bolts. Uh, we won't get super in-depth, um, but, you know, a few of, you know, whether it's three common sounds or you guys think that there's like a five common sounds that people need to be able to, oh, that's what they're doing. This is what I need to respond with or, oh, that's what they're doing. This is how I mimic that call. Um, are there a few sounds that really kind of jump out to you guys, you know, maybe three to five that are like that? Yeah, Paul, you can say, tell them a couple of those sounds. I mean, you know, I don't want to hog everything. <laughs> no, you can hog it. I don't care. <laughs> but no, I mean, your standard bugle, you're going to need to know a location bugle. Um, that's going to be one of your biggest tools, I would say, because every time you come up to the top of a mountain or just anywhere that looks like a good elk spot and you don't hear a bugle, you're going to want to spit out that location bugle just to see if you can get some elk to respond. Okay, cool. And can are you able to do one of those for us? I'm um, sure. <laughs> Something just like that. It sounded awesome. Um, okay, good. Time. It was really so good. with really your good. location bugle, you know... What's you know is it is it a longer bugle is it like a higher frequency um, you know what yes, is yes it's the highest pitch that you can possibly get out of your reed is what you want to do and awesome. it is longer than like a scream or something that you're trying to you know get mad so it's more of a just a relaxing bugle is how we put it cool yeah I see when when elk are using a location bugle it's generally used because they don't know where the other elk are. They're looking for him. We know that it's a non-intimidational sound. He's in search of. That's when that sound is used by all bulls, looking for other elk. So if this, if this bull were to receive a response back, not only is he, can he tell what's going on over there, but he's now found elk. And that's what his motive was when he's running out there, the same as we are. When we go out and we give that location bugle, we are trying to find elk, okay? As the listener, you're not trying to call them to you. You're trying to find out where they're at. Gotcha. And it's like you're using a set of binos. Once you use you, you look through your binos and you spot elk, you're not trying to call them to you with binos. No, you're trying to find them <laughs> and then you go over there. Yeah, you're going to them. So that's what you're doing with the bugle. You find the elk and now you go to them. And so and then you're gonna, you know, choose whatever method may work. But if this bull, so what we do is listening for a return sound. If we get a sound with kind of a grunt and a short impact of a scream, we can tell right now that that bull is not welcoming us. And generally speaking, it's a bull that has cows because he's not willing to share them. And so immediately that tells us, okay, we got a herd bull over here. And a lot of times we can tell by the maturity of that sound, whereas a satellite, with another group or a bachelor group of young bulls and stuff, he may come back with the same exact sound as we spit out. Same bugle. And so you can tell there's no intimidation behind it. He's already with three other bulls. What's one more? They really don't care if another one joins them. And so they don't usually uh, intimidate or warn them to stay away and get out. It can happen. You know, especially if cows are coming into heat and these satellites are working herds and trying to call the cows away and then a new bull enters the scene, they could spit some retribution toward him. But generally speaking, it's the herd bull that you're going to hear vocalize. And so you're listening for that mature sound for that bull to tell you to stay away because it's usually, you know, like Paul and I hunting. It's like, OK, that's the herd bull right there. We're going to go after this bull and blah, blah, blah. And we so usually we usually say, ooh, ooh, this guy's <laughs> ready to die. That's what we usually say to each other. <laughs> When you hear a herd bull, it's like, okay, he's ready. It's time. And, and so, and that's the location bugle that he's talking about. And, 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 and since Paul did the first one, the second one would be a challenge bugle. We would encourage people to learn 
how to use a location bugle. It's your number one way to find elk, number one. Number two, once you find them and you need to work them, there's going to be occasion when a challenge bugle is necessary. So a challenge bugle is not necessary for every bull that has cows. You will blow most opportunities if you do that. You have to read the situation and to see if this is one that where you use a challenge. But there's times to use it, so you want to have that in your repertoire. You want to be able to know how to make a challenge bugle. And an advertising slash challenge kind of go hand in hand because really what's happening when you use a challenge – see, a lot of folks don't realize that it's the cow that chooses the bull that's going to breed her or she wants to be with. So she can change teams anytime she wants. No problem. There's no ball and chain on her. And so these cows usually will choose the more dominant structured bulls in an area. So when another bull comes in and he comes in tight, he may sound off in a dominant and with dominance and strength. And this can actually pull cows away from a present herd bull to him without him ever walking into the herd. So this is what's considered a challenge or an advertising, meaning this bull is advertising himself to those cows. He may bugle three, four, five times, and he's not talking to the bull so much as he's trying to represent strength to those cows to possibly come and check him out when, as a breeder bull when their time comes as they come into estrus. So this is what these bulls do. And, if, and, and, and so uh, it's really common if a bull, if a, a hot cow is in that group with the real herd bull, for him to make a physical appearance, if you get yourself in that 80 yards or closer realm, he a lot of times will come storming over to push this intruder bull out through that challenge or advertising. And Paul can tell you we've called a ton of herd bulls in by using this system, by getting close. And you don't even have to make a cow call, nothing. Just get in there and try to call cows from him. You see, and that's one of the things and one of the sounds that you're going to use that a bull will do is he'll use a lip ball bugle. You see, this bull is not going to walk in and give a location bugle 80 yards from the herd bull. How much sense does that make? How much sense does it make? None. But people do it all the time. And then what happens generally happens? Zach, the next thing you know, their bugles of the real bull is getting further and further and further away, and they can't understand what happened. Well, this bull knew that, that if that was a real elk, he'd never going to hear that. That's not what they do. They already know where the group is, so they're not going to say, where are you guys? They're right there. You know. So he's already made his way in, so now you're changing your tone. You're going to do whatever it takes. A real bull will do the same thing. So knowing that challenge bugle or advertising along with the location and knowing their place is really important. And so, I mean, I could go in crazy in that direction, but I won't. But the third one is, is cow sounds. Can you, okay? can you do one of those bugles? Which Yeah, yeah, uh, no, no problem at all. So if I'm going to go in… If I'm going to go in and, 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 and I did a challenge bugle without a lip ball, I'll do both. But, I mean, I'm going to give you – if I want to just keep good, hard, intense scream at this bull because I get in tight and I feel that's the sound I want to use mm-hmm. and, and without the lip ball, then I'm going to give put some intensity behind it and, and letting him know that I'm a bull that's not going to be pushed around. In other words, I'm not going to back down because he yells and screams at me. And so when a hunter does this, he has to appreciate when you're working a herd bull, you don't come in there thinking, if I bugle too big, he's going to run. You can't have that mindset. You're working a herd bull. He's proud. He's got cows. He wants to be the one that, that has the right to keep and breed those cows. And so you don't come in as junior because you may not get a physical appearance from him if he thinks you're not a true competitor. You're nothing like a backhand to him. He's nothing. He's not going to come running. He's not worried about his cows because cows can take care of themselves. If it's a little three by four, four by five, five point spindly bull, the cow's not going to go running to him. Mm-hmm. So see, you have to exhibit dominance when you come in there. And so I'm going to give a sound like this if I'm just going to challenge the bull. So you see what I mean? I'm going to try. I'm not a junior. I might not be the biggest bull in the world, but I'm letting him know that there's intensity behind that scream and that I mean business. And I'll tell you what, when you get on a bull like that, half the time, or if not more, that bull is right back on you screaming before you ever get the end of that bugle out. And I mean, that's when you know, like Paul says, that's such perfect phrasing, that bull's ready to die. Because when he cuts you off, I mean, things are going to happen and they can happen. (laughs) fast and so i cut him off again i'm raking and stomping and thrashing screaming i'll try to cut him off if i want to call his cows from him and and actually warn him at the same time i may hit him with the lip ball and i may hit this three or four times i don't wait for a return bugle i am now trying to attract his cows 
And so, see, and he's going to be the defense mechanism there when you're working a herd bull, even on over-the-counter bulls like this. You're getting in, you're getting in his face, and he, now this bull's trying to call his cows and warn me to stay away at the same time with that lip ball, and he doesn't want those cows to come. So he usually just comes thundering over because you're in that close realm. You're in his comfort zone. You're not doing this from 200 yards away, or you're just going to get in a screaming match. So you got to get in tight, and that sound is this one. So you see, I'm giving that, I'm rattling that, and you've heard bulls do that, that, that lip ball, where it's just giving that vibration, and they just scream behind it. And he may start with a grunt or something like this. You see, he may do something like that, and then go into the scream. And so at any at, at, at any note there, what what's happening is he's getting worked up. He's getting absolutely pissed off, and that's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, when you see him hitting that phrase, don't wait for him to finish. Scream right at him. Get over the top and even move at him now. Move at him. Thumping, you know, some scream. I mean, you're just you're a bull, all right? You're making a lot of racket right there, and it can encourage him and speed him up to come in because he doesn't want the cows to come in first. So he's the one that ushers in. And, Paul, can we even put a number on how many bulls you called him doing that? I don't even think you can. No, but that is the most fun way to hunt right there. That's, it is that's what we hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, when you're that, doing that, you said you want to be within their comfort zone. So, I mean, are you talking 50 yards, 80 yards, 100 yards? I mean, what's kind of the farthest out that that has worked for you? Oh man, I've actually been a long ways out, but I don't recommend people to do it. But mm-hmm. and the reason was was because there was some openings in the way, gotcha. and, and 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 so a lot of times, you know, you can literally pull a bull enough away if you antagonize him enough, and he's already in his bedding area. So see, this is a huge criteria right there. With this, what this means is the bull's where he wants to be. He's at his destination. So you don't have him in transition like 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 between half hour after daylight and 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. A, a lot of times elk are in transition. They're moving from the feeding to the bedding, and the same can be true in the evening from 6 o'clock till dark. They could be moving from the bedding to the feeding watering areas. So you have to know the time frame you're working to where the elk are and if they're going to move. And so knowing that they're already in their bedding area and you can work a bull when he's in there, he usually will defend big time unless he sees you or smells you. Then you're in trouble. But if you can get him where he wants to be and not leave, that's when you can really work him with that bugle right there, that intensity. And we do everything we can to try to get inside that 80 yards or closer if if uh, if the terrain allows it. But, yeah, I bet you 200 yards away I've called the bull in like that because you can work him up and get him so ticked off. Can you do that with a lot of bulls? Probably not. But it, it has worked at that distance since you said how far is the furthest. Mm-hmm. I would say something that but most of the time you want to try to break that 80 yards if you can and so you're hoping they don't have you know 50 cows out there because (laughs) you can't get very close you know you're looking for the bulls from you know 10 cows or less and those bulls are the most susceptible because they don't have that much there that not not that many eyes and ears Mm -hmm. And, and and so we found that to be the case that if they have a lot of cows then it's really tough to pull that bull past them because these cows are right there as sentries, man, or, or there are two more bulls are working this bull, real bulls. And so why is he going to run from those and come over to you? You know, because you, you can't penetrate that cow barrier. Mm-hmm. And they, he may be 100 yards in past him. And so a lot of times it, 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 it requires a lot of patience at that time, and maybe you're going to sit with the group and hope he comes by to, to monitor the cows, check them out. You know, scent check them, see if they're coming into heat yet, and 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 if the wind can hold up, that would be great. We've been <laughs> in that situation, and a lot of times the wind doesn't hold up, and you got to back out, and yep. and so he's hard to call at that time because he's got so many cows. So it's really nice when you can work a bull with ten, twelve cows or less. Less is better. You have a lot better opportunity, and before you get challenging with him like that, there almost has to be a hot cow in the group. And gotcha. you'll know there's a hot cow in the group because he's excited. He's bugling a lot. And usually there's other bulls around that are also bugling. And so that shows you there's a hot cow getting ready to be bred. And because and, 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 if we came into that same group and we saw the cows with the bull and he's not talking at all, we would not go aggressive like that because you're usually going to lose him. Mm-hmm. He's just not in that frame of mind. He don't care. He's not going to defend. And he'll even let other bulls walk right amongst his cows. Oh, yeah, he'll let them walk right there September 22nd. It doesn't mean nothing to him mm-hmm. because they can't be bred. They're yep. not ready. 
So you, you have to play that game. And then you're playing on their curiosity at that time. That's a whole nother method. And so you always have a method for everything, and that's what the DVDs and stuff show people is you want to entertain this thought at this time, this thought at this time, this thought at this time, if the elk are doing this, herd bull, satellite. I mean, you're, and we try to cover all the arena there, everything that could possibly happen to a hunter. And that's yeah. the same thing, you know, sharing on this podcast. And, and those are some of the things that we do. But those cow sounds can incorporate more than one cow sound, you know, like if you said, Location bugle, challenge advertising, slash together. Then the cow sounds would mean it'd be nice to be able to to use uh, social cow talk. It would be nice to know excited cow talk when when elk get more excited and real chattery and the bulls bugling a lot. You know this can entice another bull to bugle. It can actually be used as a location sound when you get really excited and whiny with a cow call. A bull could answer you one. Maybe a bugle would never. He didn't even respond to. Yeah. So you never know. You're trying to Many work times. every app. Yeah, you're working it all. The estrus buzz, the, the contact buzz in there. You're trying to work those. And so I like seeing people that know how to use a regathering sound, which is a cow sound. Okay. Social, excited, uh, the the contact buzz. I like them. See, those are all underneath cows. But it, it, you don't want to be handcuffing yourself, even as a new hunter, and not being able to make those because it really, you really should because they all have their time and place. And the last sound, which is one of the most powerful, you need to know how to make a nervous grunt. You should be able to make it with your voice or with a reed or your bugle. Your voice is the best because a lot of times you, you, your reed isn't in your mouth. Something might happen or it is in your mouth. Then use it. Uh, but the nervous grunt is one of the most powerful sounds a hunter will ever, ever use. And it's the sound that will stop an elk dead in their tracks. I don't care if they're running. Walking close, and you need to stop them instantly in a short 12-inch window. A cow sound hardly ever does it. You need larger openings, you know, uh, because it's not uncommon for a bull to take two, three, four, five more steps after you cow call. And you know why? Because it doesn't ask an action out of them. It just says there's a cow there, but it's not asking anything. You see, a nervous grunt, ask an elk for a visual or identification or another elk has heard you or saw movement and can't identify it and so they're nervous about that situation and so they hit you with that grunt and it freezes them right where they stand in many cases if they're in the timber and you call they'll come right back out to look at you to give you the visual because they think you're another elk and that's what you've asked them to do and so that nervous grunt is a real powerful sound used at the right time and it's just like all these elk sounds you see, and that's what happens with, with hunters out there. They, a hunter will, will, will get keyed in on something that worked on an elk one time or two. Uh -huh. And next thing you know, he's using the same method every time, and he's blowing elk out after elk after elk. And he's like, what is going on? It works so good on this one. Yeah. Why isn't it working on me? Because it's a different situation. So you have to read them, read the message, and then apply the sound that's going to give you the best odds. And that nervous grunt which is the, the last sound there, it sounds like this. And you'll hear a bull give that as similar to a bark, but he gives one note. That's it. He doesn't keep doing it like a bark or a warning bark. You could hear cows, bulls, any kind, of, any, they all make it, and they'll keep doing it in repetition, and they're leaving the area, warning everything around them to vacate because there's a threat in the area, whether it was a human or mountain lion or bears or wolves or whatever. It, to them, it's a threat, and they vacate. They warn the others. A nervous grunt does not do that. They stay right there. They don't move. And so... If you can beat them to that sound and use it when necessary, then that's what you're going to do. But it asks an action out of other elk. And so to be able to do that location bugle, the challenge slash advertising bugles, and then the variety of cow sounds and the nervous grunt, man, you are, you are going to be in the thick of things. You are in the money. And you understand what each one represents, what it means to the, to the elk, so that you know when to use it and know what they're saying when you hear it back from them. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. If you think you're an elk now or you're one of those hunters who can't call elk or think <laughs> calling doesn't work because you don't know the, the language, this will help so many people. And I mean, I probably have close to 2,000 people that have killed elk since we put this material out that sends me photos. How many did we just get in the last week, Paul? We, I mean, several. Yeah. Or, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, we got quite a few. We kind of getting on Facebook and Instagram nowadays and people are starting to send us their photos of hey you guys help me out kind of deal and um, it's pretty exciting it's fun isn't it, it though is it's, 
it's cool knowing that you're helping people, isn't it? That's right. Yes, it And, is. you know, imagine how many people don't say anything. Mm-hmm. These are the ones that have contacted me back to say, I can't believe how many elk I've killed. I've had guys come to me and say, Paul, I was 0 for 6. I am now 6 for 6 in the last six years after listening to you, reading this stuff, looking it over. And after I go over it a little bit, they go, all I can see is all the mistakes I made, <laughs> the things I do that was right. And then I incorporated a few things, made some adjustments. Because, you know, there's a lot of guys out there. They know what they're doing. But it's so nice to be able to add something to it that may oh, tweak man. it and make it even better. More it's tools even in for your us, toolbox. Me and Paul, we learn things. Oh, yeah. And that's what we try to do. We try to help people become elk hunters. When we give seminars, when I leave that seminar, all I can think in my mind is I hope these people are leaving feeling they're better elk hunters than when they came in here. And that has always been my intent is to share info with these folks. You don't have to buy nothing. Anybody that knows me that's talked to me, I get hundreds of calls a year. And you get on the phone with me. I will share everything that I'm talking about right now. I mean, (laughs) I'm not one of those guys. I will try to help you. And I do get a lot of calls. And my wife will tell you that. (laughs) But I I, I just like to see people be successful and enjoy the same things that Paul and I have enjoyed over the years and, and, and the friendship. And we get along really good. We call for one another. We're not in each other's face. We don't yell and scream. We're not oh, like Oh, we argue all the time. Oh, we do not. <laughs> out it's there. No, like let's do this. Think. No, let's do this. <laughs> oh, well, that's just disgusting. That's part of the fun, though, we right? We never yell and scream. <laughs> and we're in, we don't do that. But no, you know, a lot of it is that we most of the time we're on the same page. We understand, okay, this is kind of what's going on or, or whatnot, but... But it's a lot of fun. When you start knowing why you're killing elk and why they're answering back and why they ran or why you blew it, and you can answer those. Hardly ever do you throw your hands up anymore and go, well, I don't know what happened. Yeah. You know, you don't want it to happen, but when you start getting a handle on it and you know why these things are happening and why you're being successful and what you expect, you'd be surprised how you cannot wait to get out there again, and you can't wait to help your friends. Hopefully you're one of those, and that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to make them a better hunter so that they, too, can call for you and, 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 and call for their buddies and, and enjoy it. And, and that's what it's all about, when you can have success because you don't have to put an animal on the ground to have success. Mm-hmm. You have some call-ins and some positive results, and let me tell you what. Those are the stepping stones you build on. The icing on the cake is the animal on the ground. Mm-hmm. Meat in the freezer for sure. It's, yep. it's amazing how much just – the first time that you ever have an animal come into your call it's amazing what that does for you as a hunter and it's just it's just crazy um <laughs> how much your confidence goes up oh man you're just like oh my god this is what worked but then like you say you have to be really careful to not just think that that's what's going to work in every single situation you know that's right. and that's where your guys' stuff I wish and it, your I wish it just did. comes in oh right <laughs> oh, who doesn't <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why the, the statistics for killing elk with archery equipment, especially, you know, cow or bull, it, it, it depends on the, the, the unit and the state you hunt. But very rare will you find one on over-the-counter hunts that's over 10 or 11 percent. And so when you – and if you look at where we hunt in Idaho, we hunt an area that last year had 6,300 people bought tags for that unit that Paul and I hunt. And so – when you look at it, that 5.9%, and that is what the success rate is for a cow or a bull, you're looking at roughly 5,800 hunters every year going home with nothing. That's it. There you, and so why is it that Paul and I and the guys in the crew, we kill them every single year? I mean we kill them every year. We kill them. Why? It's because we're doing something a little bit different than them. It's not because we're just lucky. A couple of elk, you're lucky. But a lot of times you start making your own luck after you start understanding what you're doing. It's the same as golf. A guy that's a scratch golfer isn't just lucky. He put in years. He put a lot of time in. Whereas his friends who want to be good, and maybe they're 15 handicappers, but they don't put the time in. You know, they just don't. They just kind of do it at their convenience, and they just do it for fun and this and that. But they want to be like old Joe, who's a scratch golfer. But So you have to put that time in, and that's what people have to do for elk hunting. You're going to get out of elk hunting what you put into it. It's the same thing as anything in life. Hey, free road, don't forget about your free gift. Do you like free? 
I do. Head on over to www.archerymaniacs.com and grab one of four free gifts made just for you as a thanks for tuning into the show and to help you be more successful in anything archery. That's awesome. Well, I obviously appreciate you guys taking so much time out of your day to hang out on the show and share so much you know, so many stories and so much information uh, in depth to just literally just to help people be better um, hunters and elk callers and kind of all the above. So I really appreciate you guys taking that time and, and I really look forward to having you on again and breaking certain things down or maybe talking certain scenarios or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, we'll cover that the sound. We can. Yeah, we can really go into some sounds. That would be you know, great. Some of the more unique sounds and then define them as, as to what's being said yep. and how, you know, just like how we incorporate them at other times as we did some of these, you know. And that, that, and that to me is, is the game changer for most people. When they can interpret what they're hearing or what they're saying themselves, you'll see the, 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 the other ones we haven't even talked about. It, it really can help you because we've all heard them. But a lot of us don't know what's going on. You know, we just have no idea. So maybe we could touch a little bit on that next time if it works out. Yep, that would be great. And I would also like to talk a little bit about the difference between going out there and hunting alone and setting yourself up, you know, as you're hunting alone mm -hmm. as opposed to obviously yep. having somebody there to hunt with you because it's completely different. Way different. So, yep. so you awesome. Are awesome, awesome. <laughs> well, I look, for, I look forward enough. to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, learned, we I learned a ton today, so I appreciate it. <laughs> now these are oh, always fun, fun too. you know. Oh yeah, well, they're very fun for us, you know, in talking elk and reminiscing about some of the stuff in the past. So no, no, good. We really do appreciate that, Zach. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear, and it would mean the world to me. If you would rate our podcast, if you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are Eastman Elevated with Bride and Barney, and Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to. Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.